welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Uh, we're going to open up uh, the, the Word of God right now to Mark chapter 1. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, verse by verse. We just started a little while ago. And um, actually, I know the tech team is probably ready. You guys have a video from, from Pastor Eddie, right? Okay. How long is that video? Ten minutes? Okay. So Pastor Eddie had talked to me, and um, being this is back to school Sunday, um, and we're going to be praying over our families, over students, over faculty. And um, uh, he had talked to me about, and he was supposed to preach the message, because traditionally, the, the children's pastor has brought the message on Back to School Sunday. We just thought that was fitting from the very beginning. But this year, uh, the Jones family had already planned a vacation on this weekend. So that's why Pastor Eddie is not up here, um, because he doesn't love Jesus, because he's, he's left us and went on vacation. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. That's not loving, is it? That's not, that's judgmental. That's just, that's just, that's just judgmental. It was, I think it was after camp meeting one night, Mary, she was helping with the hospitality and the coffee and stuff, and she said something to me. She said that she ate something with something. It was some weird combination, and I just gave her a look, and she's like, you look like you're judging me. That's a judgmental look, and I said, oh, I look like it because I am at the core of my being. I am questioning why I'm standing next to you. Like, there is serious judgmental glares going on right here. That's just weird. Normal people should not eat. I forget what it was, but anyway, it was bizarre. So yes, there, will, there may be some judgmental glances every now and then. If you say something crazy, I'm going to look at you crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, okay. Um, but uh, anyway, so back to, back to the word. Yes, so, so Pastor Eddie is not here today. And in fact, all the Joneses, they all just took off, went on vacation, and uh, we really hope that they are resting. Uh, he would, so he was gonna he was gonna live stream in, but then he recorded something, and so we have this recorded message from Eddie, and I want to share it with you. But I was I was going over the Word of God. It's been a week since I preached, and so I was going over Mark chapter one last night, and I was like, okay, I need to get ahead for next week. Let me read what's up next, and then the words just jumped off the page, like you know, Pastor Rocky, this happens. Sometimes the words just jumped up off the page, grabbed me by the throat. You have to preach this. It was kind of like that. It's kind of how it happened. So I'm going to try to share what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart. And then hopefully we'll have time for Pastor Eddie's. If not, we'll definitely share that on Facebook uh, this afternoon. You guys will get it in an email or a text message or something. Uh, but I really, man, this is just burning in my heart right now, even just for this season. And um, those of you that were with us through the, the three nights of camp meeting, there was a consistent theme through the whole thing. And um, anyway, when I, when I picked up Mark last night, so these are just some thoughts. This isn't a, a fully prepared sermon. This is, this is just a sermonette. That's what this is. So um, anyway, so, 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 so open up your Bible, Mark chapter 1. We have it on the screen for you, um, starting at verse, I think it's 14. Yes. It says, Now after John was put in prison... Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And um, the first, so basically the first 14, the first 13 verses of Mark's gospel are dealing with John the Baptist and with Jesus and with that relationship. 
But now Mark, uh, the, the, the author of the Gospel of Mark, is shifting things, and he says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus then came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. It may be that, uh, I, I preached about this a couple weeks ago, is that transitions are so important. They're God-given, God-directed transitions. Sometimes, John wasn't a bad guy. John was an amazing preacher, an amazing minister for God. He loved Jesus, loved people, right? And yet, sometimes God has to incarcerate the good in order to release the best in your life. So sometimes God will put away what has been working, not because it's not working anymore, but because he wants to do something greater in you and through you. And so John was incarcerated so that Jesus could be released. And so it really is. I know we can grieve over John and say, poor John, but the truth is, man, God used John, used John mightily, but now God's about to do something different. And Jesus now comes on the scene. And so, and so I, I guess I just want to encourage you, don't fight it. Don't hold on to yesterday's anointing, yesterday's talents, yesterday's gifts. And this is the way God worked then. And this is the way God used me then. And this is the way I was. And you can get such a vision of yourself that it's not even in line with God's vision for you. So what I'm saying is, if God is taking you through a transition, allow him to imprison some things, allow him to lock up some things, maybe not use them right now, because he's bringing forth something new and something even better than what has been in the past. Does that make sense? All right, so Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew. Now Simon, uh, his name is Simon, but his name will be changed to Peter later on, okay? So many of you have heard about Peter. Uh, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Go ahead and go on to the next verse. I'll come back to this. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So I want to talk to you just about that, that little moment there. The moment of Jesus calling his first disciples. And he calls four guys. All four of them are fishermen. All four of them are fishing apparently along the same um, lake. Or the Sea of Galilee is what they call it. But it's really kind of like a big lake. Uh, and, and all four of them are, in the, are called on the same day. Jesus is walking along and he... And he calls them. But the call is different for each one. And I don't know, as, as I was reading this, I, I, just, I, I, I just began to envision, you know, you have Peter, you have Andrew, you have James, and you have John. These guys are actually super fundamental to the, to, to the disciple gang. As you continue reading the gospel, you're going to find that, that Peter really kind of becomes one of the great leaders, actually, of, of the disciples, and then also of the subsequent church after that. You're going to find that, 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 that Andrew uh, becomes very important. You're going to find that James and John become very important. They're, at first, they're called the sons of thunder. Then they get kind of changed to the apostles of love. God, God uses these, these people mightily. And as somebody who, who has a call of God on his life, I've felt that call since I was little. 
I don't, I, don't, I don't know if anybody else can identify with that, but I, I was 12 years old and I began to feel like God had more for me to do. And, 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 and yet in our American culture, that usually means, well, I, I need to learn how to preach or I need to be a missionary or something, which may be the case. God is raising up preachers. He's raising up missionaries. And, but that's not always the call. And so I want to encourage you that, honestly, what I believe all of us actually are called Every disciple of Jesus has a call of God on their life, a call, a mission that God has something for you. And I can imagine that these four guys, they, they grow up as fishermen because their fathers are fishermen. And so they're, they're going about the fishermen experience, the job that's in front of them. But yet inside of them, there's this hunger, there's this desire for more, for, for making a lasting impact, for making an, an impact that has eternal consequences. There's a desire that I, I believe that they, they, they could begin to feel that they were made for more because I've also felt that. I've also been on a paper route delivering newspapers some of you don't know don't even know what that is but back in the 80s we had a thing called paper routes and 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 this is what this is what 12 and 13 and 14 year old boys did to make a few bucks and so I know what it is to be doing something I know what it is to be mowing a lawn right I know what it is to be pushing a lawnmower back and forth back and forth and back and forth but also have something inside of me that says I'm made for more than mowing lawns Does anybody ever sense that? Like whatever you may be doing, maybe making golf clubs, David. But yet as you're making golf clubs, you can have a sense that, okay, this is good and and I'm good at it. And I have certain gifts that that correlate to this. I may be programming, right? I may be, be, we we had one guy in here that was making little computer chips, right? And so he may be like like down there with little, you know, solder guns and stuff and, 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 and making these things. And you're good at it and you have certain gifts that work and that's wonderful and there's a certain level of fulfillment there but then there's more but then there's like but how is this affecting other people how is this affecting other people I want to be a blessing I want to I want to do something that that lasts longer than this computer chip because you're gonna make a computer chip and then five minutes later someone's gonna make a, a faster smaller one right and so all of us whatever industry we're in it's like okay I'm doing my best I, I may even be on the cutting edge but but yet this is still temporary and I sense that everything is temporary Peter and and, and Andrew the two brothers they're catching fish right and those fish they're going to clean them they're gonna cut them clean them then they're gonna eat them then they're gonna to need to go back and fish some more and so there's a sense in which I believe that all of us are called and hopefully the reason that you're in church today is because you started to sense that wait a minute I'm made for more than whatever it is I'm doing whether I'm uh, a casting director for TV uh, shows and commercials or whatever I may be doing we, we, it's like okay that's good and I'm using my gifts and it's effective and it pays the bills but there's so much more to life than paying bills there's a calling of God. And even today, as we pray over uh, our students, you know, there's so much more to life than getting good grades. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Coming, coming from a straight B student, I can tell you there's so much more to life than making great grades, you know? I mean, there, there really is. There's so much more to life than, than we have several teachers that go to our church. There's so much more to life than your classroom. And there's so much more to life than what you do in the classroom. There's like, you, you want to do things that don't just end when the period ends. Right? We, we have a coach over here. We have, uh, you, uh, coach Ward wants to do stuff that doesn't just end when the game's over. 
He wants to influence kids in such a way that's more eternal, that it's, it's something bigger than, I, like, I'm doing this thing, and that's cool, I'm getting paid for it, but there's more. And I, and I just have to believe that these, these four guys were, were sensing that. Otherwise, when, when some random dude calls to you from the shore, are you really going to quit everything and just be like, yeah, let's do that? No, that's not usually the way God works. Usually there's a stirring inside of you for a while, probably a couple years, and they're like, ah, something's just not right. I mean, my dad's a fisherman. My grandpa was a fisherman. Like, I come from a long line of fishermen, and I like fishing. I'm good at it. All of that stuff's great, but I just feel like there's got to be more. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and says, hey, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so a couple of things I love about these guys, that even though they were called to more, and even though we see that play out in scripture and in church history, we see the more that they were called to, the truth is they were faithful where they were. They were, when, when Jesus called them, they weren't sitting around waiting for more. <laughs> I, I love that because a lot of us, it's like we feel called to more and so we don't take the opportunities that are in front of us. But when Jesus called them, look at what he said. If we can go back to Jesus' call to Simon and Andrew, he says, he says, follow me and I will take what you have been doing all of your life. Follow me and I will take the gifts that you have been developing and sharpening all of your life, the capabilities that have been inside of you since you were a kid, the stuff that you, that you found, discovered, and worked on. I will take your gifts and your talents and I will teach you how that's actually made for more. Actually, he said, follow me and I'll, and I'll make you fishers of men. But that's essentially what he's saying. He says, follow me and I will make you like uh, computer programmers of men. Uh, follow me and I will make you coaches of men. Follow me and I will make you like, like uh, somebody who's, who's using their gifts. What Jesus is saying is you're doing the right thing, boys. Like you, you are doing what is in front of you. And what I have found is if I am willing to do what is in front of me, then God eventually will bring out of what is inside of me. He will pull it out of me. And so, so, so I love that they're busy. I love that they're active. I love that they're doing something. They are, they're making a living, right? They're not sitting around saying, well, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I don't know. I'm just waiting for the doors to open. Got trying to get the right doors to open. Like, oh man, like you might be called to more, but if you'll be faithful with where you are, when Jesus is ready, he'll find you. <laughs> like he, he hasn't forgotten your phone number. He hasn't forgot your address. Like he's still friends with you on Facebook. He will find you. And Jesus finds these guys. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. And, 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 and I don't know, the Bible doesn't say that he stopped, but I think he probably had to have at least sat down for a second to observe who's casting nets. Because it says that he saw Simon and Andrew casting the net. They're casting the net and Jesus is sitting there and he sees a bunch of fishermen along here, a bunch of, uh, it's a hub of activity, the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's a massive port for, for transporting supplies from one end to the other, from Decapolis over to this. And so, so lots of people are coming and going and somehow he, he sees Simon and, and Andrew and he sees them casting their nets and he says, man, those guys are really good casters. And so he calls them. Because the kingdom of God needs casters. The kingdom of God needs people who are good casters. Simon, 
Peter uh, and, and Andrew become great. They, they were great casters as fishermen and they become great casters in the kingdom of God. What do you mean by that? Well, for instance, Andrew, church history says that Andrew became a missionary and went to several, several countries after Jesus uh, was crucified, raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and the church was established. A- Andrew was one of the missionaries. Why? Because he's a caster. This is, what, this is what missionaries do. They cast their net. They're not content to sit in the boat and wait for fish to jump in. <laughs> They're a go-getter kind of person. They're a go-cast an invitation and bring people in. Uh, Peter, for instance, uh, probably one of the more famous moments is on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and the 120 were in the upper room and Peter comes down from the upper room because, because God's moving. And wonderful things are happening. And so Pete is like, man, we need to take this to the street. So Peter goes down and he starts casting a net, right? He says, men of, God, of, uh, men of Jerusalem, uh, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's just the middle of the day. Let me tell you about Jesus. And he begins casting this net about who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and how they can respond. He casts the net, catches 3,000 people that day. It pulls in a mighty big catch for the kingdom of God. And you see this not just there, but he also expands the net to the Gentiles, right? When God reveals to him that it's not just about the Jews, man. And so he starts casting. And so God needs casters. God uses casters. So this is my call to you. If you're loud, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking at anybody who would shout that out to me. But I'm just saying, if you're, (laughs) if you're extroverted if you're loud if you get a following God needs you It's, it's interesting to me people will be great casters when they're at the bar but as soon as they get saved they pull in the nets and they say well it's just it's just it's just my personal relationship with Jesus come on man you're a caster you're a caster. You, you, get, you, 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 get, you, get, like, you get fired up about a pair of Nikes and you get other people to buy those Nikes. You get fired up about a band. You get other people to, to listen to that band. You get fired up about, a, about a, a TV series, a docudrama, whatever. And people, you're a caster. See, casters throw stuff out, not where fish are, but where they are going to be. And so the way these nets would work is they would be long, 12 to 14 feet wide, kind of rectangle nets, and, and you had to throw it. You couldn't just like, like take a bundle of the net and just chuck it over the edge of the boat. You had to lay it out smooth, and you had to throw it flat because there were weights on the bottom of the net, and it would sink down to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, and then the boat would, would start sailing, and it's scraping along the bottom of, of, the, of, of the, the lake there, and it's catching fish as you go along, and then there are ropes attached to the bottom of the net. You pull those ropes up, up, and so it kind of creates a little envelope and catches some fish within the nets. So you had to be very precise and particular about how you, how you throw this thing. You can't just, can't just and, and they're heavy. You can't just like lug it over though. You have to have, it's a two-man job and you need to be precise about how you throw this thing and cast this thing. And people who are good at this, they just naturally get it. They naturally understand. I don't know if you watched this show on HBO, it's called Rehearsal. It's fascinating story about, about this guy who trains people to rehearse situations and conversations before they have them. It's kind of creepy because you expect these things to be spontaneous, you know. But it's really interesting. He just puts way too much thought into what natural casters are just really good at. Like, oh, this is a good time for me to say this. And if you're not a caster, you, you, you're going to ter- be terrible at it. 
You're going to be like, well, I, I, uh, but, it's, it, but, 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 but a caster, a good caster knows the perfect time, the perfect spot to drop this in. And then how long to leave it, scrape it along the bottom, and then when to pull it up. You know what I mean? So he just, like, Andrew and Simon were casters. And Jesus saw them, and he says, I need some casters in my kingdom. I need people who are able to throw out some invitations, who are able to throw out uh, some, some, some nets, or who are able to bring people in, to gather people. In fact, I mean, that's technically what all of these backpacks are, by the way. This, this, is, this is a net. This is, this is, this right here, this, this, this is a net. Because we didn't suddenly wake up one day and be like, we need to buy a bunch of backpacks for people. Because we're a church, we're not REI. <laughs> like, it's not our mission to supply people with backpacks. And, like, there's all kinds of school supplies in here, right? Like, everyone is packed, stuffed with school supplies. We, we did that not because we have a great burden to make sure everybody has enough school supplies to start the year, even though that's a pretty cool thing. Because people are in need, especially right now, because inflation is crazy and families are trying to figure out how they're going to buy groceries. And so if we can take one thing off the list, that's wonderful. But actually, this is actually a net to cast out into our community in order to bring them in. And so it takes, it takes some, it takes some uh, wisdom in that. So for instance... Um, uh, last year when we did this, we, we, we've been doing this for a few years now, and um, we had, I think, 30-some families come through. And so it was drive-through because the pandemic was kind of going on. People were a bit concerned. So we said, well, don't get out of your car. Just drive through. Well, the problem with driving through is, is they, they just drive through. And nets where people just drive through are not good nets. <laughs> when fish just kind of go in and out of the, the net, like within 30 seconds, that's usually not a great net. So this year we said, hey, you know what? Let's have them park and come inside. So tonight at six o'clock, um, we're gonna have them park and come inside. And then somebody had a good idea to make it more convenient. Like, let's put it over here so that they go down this hallway and get it. And I said, well, no, you don't wanna make it convenient for fish. <laughs> so we're literally lining up in the far corner of the sanctuary. Like that's where, that's where all these, like they're, they're on the stage now. These are lined up, by the way, like seventh grade, sixth grade, different, different grades. And so they're going to be, in, they're labeled in piles and it's going to be lined up. And then folks are going to line up along this wall and then around that back and along the back wall. And, I, and, 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 I'm, and I'm telling the people who are distributing to be more like, like don't be like Chick-fil-A, you know, like Chick-fil-A's fast, you know. Be more like, like Dan's, Dan's Burgers, you know what I mean? Like Dan, or like Whataburger maybe. I don't know what they're doing in there. I don't know if they're surprised that somebody came to their drive-thru, right? It's like, oh, oh okay, I guess we should probably make some food. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I just go kill a cow and you know, cook it and all that kind of stuff. So, but the, the idea is we want it to be slow because so that people have a chance to hang out. And while they're hanging out, we have another team of people that are going to be over here, right about where Poppy's sitting. They're going to have, they're going to have a hot griddle with some hot dogs cooking on it. So, so they're stuck here and the smell of hot, it's going to smell good up in here. It's going to smell, now next Sunday, I don't know how good it's going to smell in here. I'm sorry. I just apologize right now. But it's, it's like Sunday night, it's going to smell good in here. So that then their kids and them can come over and grab not, not just a hot dog, I said, you got to put it on a plate and you got to pour a bunch of chips on the plate because you don't want to take a bunch of chips on a plate and, and a hot dog to go sit in your car because that gets real messy. So there's going to be tables sitting here and then they're going to sit down at the table and that's where I'm going to be sitting. And that's where I'm going to 
talk to them. <laughs> Pastor. That's what I'm going to talk. I'm not going to preach to them. I'm going to talk to them. And by the way, this is actually an invitation. If any of you want to come help catch some fish tonight, um, yeah, if any of you are kind of outspoken and you're ready to talk to some people and let them know that Christians aren't weird, <laughs> well, actually, some of, some of the people coming in are weird. They need to know they're not alone. So, so if you're weird, that works. If you're, not, if you're not, I'm there for all the not weird ones. They'll be like, oh, this guy's normal. I can talk to him. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, uh, but, but no, like this is your invitation. Like, please come and just sit and talk with people. Just come get, because the church is not this building. The church is sitting in these chairs right here. And anytime somebody gets to know you, they get to know the church. And it really doesn't matter what church they're connected with. I just think every church in Austin needs to reach out to their community and let them know that Christians are not judgmental. Christians are not homophobic. Christians are not full of hate and judgment and ready to bash them over the head with the Bible. But we're actually normal. We'll sit and talk to you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're loving and we're caring and we care about your kids and we want to take care of your family. A lot of the people who signed up for this are a part of our Keep Kids Fed program. And so that's where we're feeding kids every single week um, for the past like six years. We've been, and it's been growing, over 100 kids um, from different school systems. Systems and we drop it off at the school and they give it to them at the cafeteria on Friday afternoon as they go home for the weekend so they have food. So, so, so much of it is, though, a net that we are casting out. So God needs casters. Come on. If heaven and hell are real, <laughs> which they are, you might want to throw something out every once in a while. <laughs> you might want to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and allow God to use what you do on a daily basis to make money, to make a living. Maybe God wants to use your mouth and your bubbly attitude and your outgoing personality and your ability to sell just about anything. Come on, Myron. And, 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 and God wants to use <laughs> God wants to use that for his kingdom. It's not all just preachers and singers, right? No, no, we need preachers and singers, but, um, but it's not all that. God will take your gifts. God will take your casters. He sees casters and he says, yep, I need that. I need that caster right there. But then he goes along, and this is what really stuck out to me. He said, follow me and you'll become fishers of men. But in the next verse, he continues walking, and, and, and it says he sees James, the son of Jebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, men mending their nets. And notice the call in the next verse, you don't need to go to it, but the next verse he says, follow me. He doesn't say, I will make you fishers of men. He adjusts the call because the description of the call is different. So, so Simon, Peter, and, uh, so Simon and, and, and Andrew, th these guys are casters. He says, come with me, I'll teach you how to cast out for people, to bring people into the kingdom of God. Because by the way, people are eternal. It's only fish are not eternal. Your bank account's not eternal. Right? Ethereum's not eternal. <laughs> Bitcoin's not eternal. These things that we work for, they're not eternal. But people are eternal. And so he says, I'll teach you how to catch something that is going to last beyond your life, beyond your bank account, beyond your dreams and your house and your car and the way, everything that this world is chasing after. I'll teach you how to bring and influence people and people are eternal. People are going to be around forever. And so he says, I'll teach you how to do that. But now he turns to James and John and he says, follow, just, just follow me. 
Why? Because James and John are not casters, they are net menders. And God needs both. God needs net casters, but he also needs net menders. Now, as you read the Gospels, James and John are not super outspoken. They don't, they're not always the one on, on the day of Pentecost to go talk to the crowd. <laughs> they're, not, they're not necessarily missionaries in different places. But they are net menders. And the church, God's kingdom, needs net menders as much as it needs net casters. Actually, net menders help make net casters effective. Because sometimes net casters, don't look around now at Poppy or anybody, because sometimes net casters, though, their, their witness gets ahead of their walk. You know what I mean? Like they'll, 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 they'll call out truth, they'll say things, and all that's true, and they'll get people, and they're gathering, and they're following, and then there's some holes in the net. Some holes. There's a gap between what they say and what they do. And that's not a judge, that's not a judgment of casters. There's gaps for Peter. There was gaps for Andrew. Pete, on the one hand, I'll never deny you. Never, ever, ever deny you. The next day, <laughs> he had some holes. And we like to make fun of it, but man, you got some holes too. And I got some holes between what I dream about and what I believe and what I aspire to and what I am. There's some gaps. And it's those gaps that my effectiveness leaks out of. It's those gaps that my influence leaks out of. It's those gaps. See, your, 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 your calling is wonderful, but your character is what makes your calling effective. And so God will take casters who right out of the bar are incredible casters. They need no anything to become better casters. They're great. But boy, there's some holes in the net. And God doesn't, God doesn't judge them for that. God brings along menders, alongside casters, to add strength and structure, to, to pull together the gaps, to pull together the holes. For instance, if you read uh, the epistle of James, it's a master class in mending holy nets. Right? He starts off. I mean, it is practical. If you, if, like, if, if you want some practical instruction about how to live the way that God wants you to live, pick up the, the, the book of James. It's not long. It's just, you know, a handful of chapters. But it will, like, it will just hit you right where you need to get hit. It'll convict you. It'll speak. He says, for one thing, you need to learn how to control your tongue. Because <laughs> it's like, it's a, casters are great. And they're talking and they're going and there's anything. But what about the same tongue when it becomes divisive? What about the same tongue when it becomes judgmental or gossipy? Right? And, and James isn't judging. See, we, we often think, oh, well, that's judgmental. No, what's judgmental is to stand and look at a net and say, there, there's your hole, there's your hole, there's your hole, and you need to fix it and get, it and get yourself together. That's judgmentalism. But mending is to see the holes and say, I will hold you together until you pull in this gap. I will hold you. I will strengthen you. I will add encouragement to you. I will add strength to you. I will add the word of God to you. I will be there. You can call me in the middle of the night if you need somebody because you're dealing with temptation, right? Flee youthful lust. James is telling people. Why? Because he wants to strengthen the net. 
And he's not just telling people, but he is present with them, walking with them, holding them together, pulling them tighter, saying, I'm here for you. This is really the role of a pastor, by the way, is to, is to mend broken nets. Because throughout life, how do nets get broken? From the fish. It's the people. It's not church that hurts you. It's the people in the church. It's not, like, it's people. As you're trying to gather people and trying to reach out to people, man, some of them will, will pop some holes in your net. Some of them will, will, will hit you. And, and, and just the, the journey of dragging along the floor of, of, of the Sea of Galilee will deal with some stuff inside of you. And you'll get weary. And you'll get worn. You'll get depressed. You'll get discouraged. And menders have to come alongside and say, okay, let me, let me help repair that. And let me, let me show you the way, right? So James says, control your tongue. Because, because it'll, 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 help, it'll help your witness. It'll help your, it'll, it'll help your net. It'll, it'll, it'll help your effectiveness. So he, says, so he comes along and says, 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 control your tongue. He says, faith without works is dead. Casters have great faith, and that's lovely. But the works have to back up the faith. Faith without works is dead, he says. And so, and so add to your faith works. Like, don't, don't, don't diminish your faith. Don't bat it down. Don't, 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 don't hold back. Like, you worship as loud as you want to worship. You shout. You twirl. You dance. You do all of the faith stuff. You believe God for great and wonderful things. And then you back it up with faithfulness. And then you walk this journey. And then you go home and you love your wife. You love your husband. You love your kids. You, you, lo you bless those who curse you. You do good to those who use you. Right? You forgive quickly. You don't hold grudges. You don't try to get even. When you fall, you repent quickly. You're open. You're walking in the light. Right? He says, add to your faith works. Why? What is that? Strengthening the net. And then he also says, confess your sins to one another in chapter 5 of James. And pray for one another, he says, so that you may be healed. Uh, uh, was, uh, the one, one pastor said that uh, we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to God's people for healing. That's powerful. He says, confess your sins one to another. Not, don't, 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 you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a pope and sit there and he sits in a box and you tell him everything he did wrong so that you get forgiveness. No, no, no. You get forgiveness from God alone. You confess your sins to God for forgiveness, but you confess your sins to each other so that there can be healing. So the net can come back together. Because if people come on into a church where everybody's pretending to be perfect, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of gaps <laughs> between what you say and what you do. And they're going to pick up on that. They're going to be like, well, uh, uh, but no, God wants new people. God wants lost people to come into a family, not of perfect people or people pretending to be perfect, but of people who are willing to confess when they mess up and say, yep, I've done that. And I'm doing that right now and I need help. Confess your sin one to another that you may be healed. You get forgiveness from God immediately. Confess your sin to him, he'll forgive you. But if you want healing, if you want to move forward, if you want a net that is tighter and stronger than it was before the break, you're going to have to tell somebody else. <laughs> you're going to have to bring somebody else in. it. The only, the, only, the only dangerous secrets, the only dangerous stuff in your life are the stuff that nobody knows about. When you bring it into the light, and share it. James says, man, that'll strengthen your net. Oh, boy, we need some net menders. Not some judgmental people, but some people who come alongside and say, you know what? I've been exactly where you are. Let me help pull this together. Let me hold you 
while you're falling apart. Let me hold you and strengthen you and speak life into you and speak encouragement and speak hope into you. If you walk away from a supposed net mender and you feel less hope than you did before you talked to him, you're not a mender. You might be a trash collector because some people are like, oh, bad nets, throw them out. And there are trash collectors. Jesus didn't call any trash collectors, right? He called net casters and net menders. And I believe that's what God wants right now. And so if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're out there, if you're loud, come on, let's, 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 get, let's get casting. <laughs> let's cast, be loud for Jesus. If you're quiet and discerning, come on, let's not look around and judge people. Let's look around and mend people. Let's find somebody and say, look, I'll be there for you. I'm not loud. I'm not going to cast my net very far, but I'll sit with you and I'll help tighten and strengthen some of the gaps in your life. I'll support you. I'll stand by you. And that's exactly what we need, uh, man, as we all go back to school. We need some net casters and some net menders. You're, going to school is great. Being a student is great. Being a teacher is great. But hey, teachers, could you be some, men, some menders too? Because some of these kids, man, they're broken. They got all kinds of holes, all kinds of gaps. So much of their life doesn't make sense. They can't find the link between this and that. What if you as a teacher, as a coach, what if you could add that? What if you could say, look, no, no, this, this is how this connects. This is how your school right now affects your future. This is how I can pull that together for you. This is how your mouth and what you say can affect your influence. Like, I mean, let me, let me help pull this together for you. Because you're a very likable person. People would love you if you'd stop being so mean. Right? And so somebody's got to see the good in the net. Someone's got to see the potential and call that out and say, look, there's just this issue right here. Let me, let, me, let me just pull that together for you. Let me help you. So if we just throw out broken nets, we'll be chucking out a lot of really useful people, a lot of people that God would want to use in his kingdom. And for so long, the church has been far too easy to throw out and far too slow to mend. And so, Father, right now, we just ask for your help. We ask for you to raise up, stir up inside of us some casters and some menders. Our kids actually can be casters and menders. Sixth graders going into middle school, they can mend. And they can cast some nets. They can invite and bring and call and draw people. They can use their influence at every age level. College students can be menders or casters, depending on what you're calling them to be. As they step into Texas State, as they step into missionary school that Megan's going to, as they step into different places and different rooms, Lord, would you activate our calling? Whatever it is that we're getting trained to do, that's not our greatest calling. You're calling us to actually catch people for the kingdom of God, to bring them into relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. So we pray that you would do that right now in Jesus' name.